As we draw close to Christmas, we find ourselves looking at God's indescribable gift. We would invite you to join us today here on Graceful Truth as our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, returns us once again to this amazing topic, Christmas. Just exactly what was it all about and why is it so important? That's the focus today. Join us. Graceful Truth is next. From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Welcome once again to the broadcast. We would invite you to join us today. We're continuing our series on Christmas, message entitled God's Indescribable Gift. Have you ever thought of it that way? We're all about giving gifts and receiving gifts, but the greatest gift ever given was the gift of Jesus Christ for you and I, and a gift that goes on giving for all eternity. It's an amazing subject and a wonderful time of year to consider it afresh. So please join us here now with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth, our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And that's just kind of a simple, you might call it a benediction to that whole passage that we read in our scripture reading. You know, so I want to look at the, the aspect of God's gift you know, the greatest gift of all. If you want to have a Merry Christmas this year, if you want to experience Christmas the way it was meant to be, um, you need to understand and embrace the essential message of the season that we celebrate. And that is the message that it's Emmanuel, God with us. That's, that's what this season is all about. Emmanuel, God with us. But it seems somehow during this time of the year, somehow we forget the essence of that message. The Bible says that Christmas is not so much about giving a gift as it is about receiving a gift. Paul put it this way in Romans, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He goes on there, and we read it this morning, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, when someone offers you a gift, what do you have to do, basically, to benefit from that gift? Take it. You have to receive the gift. You have to open it up. And that's really what Christ is telling us this time of the year. He's saying, hey, don't forget that I'm the gift. I'm the gift that God gave the human race. And it seems like today, in the day and age we live, in the society we live in, the culture we live in, it's almost like they want to remove the name of Christ from anything having to do with Christmas. It reminds me in Revelation chapter 2, when the Word of God tells us about losing your first love. And he writes this to a church at Ephesus. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. I know that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. You found them out to be false. You've preserved and have endured hardships for my name's sake and have not grown weary. And then he says this in Revelation 2. He says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from its place. What a sobering account to a church. I mean, I'm sure this church was a busy church. I'm sure it was an active church just by what he tells us about it. I'm sure it was even a productive church. They wouldn't tolerate false teaching. They seem to have, from what he says, all their doctrinal ducks in a row. But somehow all their activity, all the work and all the study that they had put in, somehow they lost sight of the very Savior that saved them. And the Lord says to them, you have left your first love. How do you know when you've left your first love? Chuck Swindoll, he said this, you know it when work has taken the place of worship, when perspiration has taken the place of inspiration. That's good. 
And so this great physician, our Lord himself, writes a prescription for this church in Ephesus for revival. And he says, I want you to do three things. There's three R's of getting right with God. And you know what? This is something that we have to do on an ongoing basis. It's not something you just do when you're saved and that's it. And then you live the perfect Christian life. No, this is something we have to reflect upon time and time again. And what a better time to reflect upon it. First of all, you have to remember. Secondly, you have to repent. And thirdly, you have to repeat those things that you did when you first came to Christ. You remember a time in your life, you probably do, when it seemed like you were closer to God than you are right now? For whatever reason. And somehow you're not in that place anymore. You're not as close to God as you were at that point in time. But you can remember what it was like. You can remember the excitement of getting the opportunity to open up God's word. You can remember the excitement of witnessing somebody. You can remember the excitement of of going to the Lord in prayer, praying for others, going out and witnessing. Maybe you go back and you read through some of your old journals. You're going, man, where is this joy gone? Where is this love for the Lord gone? I seem to be missing it. Well, you have to get back to that. Remember the way it was when you first came to Christ. You remember that passion, that excitement. We want to get back to that. When we look forward to being with other believers at church, when we look forward to getting together with other believers around the Bible study, God's Word, or maybe worship times, it wasn't just something we had to do. It was something we enjoyed doing. You're excited about when you got that time alone with God. It was just you and Him in prayer before the busyness of the, the day started. See, frankly, if those things don't excite you to some degree, if they don't kind of give you a little bit of excitement, man, yeah, that's right. What he's saying is right. There's something spiritually wrong. There's something disconnected in your heart. But as Jesus tells this church, he says, first of all, remember from where you've fallen. And then he says, repent. And basically that means change your direction. Change the direction from where you're going. And then repeat those things that you used to do when Jesus was number one in your life. Have we lost sight of Jesus? Have we lost sight of that intimate relationship that he desires us to have? You know how it is when you're out shopping and you have all your packages and you know, you're know in one of these big malls that has multiple stories and you go to the elevator and you're waiting and the doors open and it's packed with people, right? Well, one lady, the doors open, you know, they kind of, everybody's looking at her like, don't, you're not coming in here, you know, she had all her packages, but she, you know, you got to move back a little bit, I'm getting in. She wasn't going to wait for another one. And she turned around and they're all squeezed in there. It's just, you know, it's just frustration. Everybody's frustrated. You know, you could just, you could just kind of sense it. And finally, somebody talked, and it was her. And here's what she blurted out. Whoever's responsible for this whole Christmas thing, we ought to be arrested, strung up, and shot. Said that in a crowded elevator. Some other people kind of, you know, kind of, kind of agreed in a way. Finally, some distant voice in the back of the elevator said, don't worry, they already crucified him. See, we, we can't lose sight of the fact that God's gift to us is something that he planned out before the foundation of the world. He took the time and the the care to know that, you know what, we needed a Savior. And it just seems like somehow today there's no room for Him anywhere. It's nothing new. I mean, even during the time of Christ, there really wasn't any room for Him. (laughs) There wasn't any room for His birth. Remember, there's no room in the inn. When people said they wanted to follow Jesus, He said, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. It seemed like the only place possible, the only place that there was room for the Son of God was at the cross. That's the only place. I mean, we have to remember that being part of a a Bible teaching church that hopefully we're blessed with the privilege of hearing God's word day in and day out, Sunday to Sunday, even during the midweek. And what a blessing that is, but there's also a danger there. There's a danger that you almost grow kind of complacent with that. That you listen to truths week after week with a wrong heart. Maybe you listen to truths with no intention of applying what you've heard. You just go through the motions. 
And what can happen over a period of time with that kind of a diet, your heart begins to, to grow hard toward the things of God. You begin to be able to hear truths like God came down and gave his life for us. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that. But it doesn't register anymore in your emotions. It's just one of those theological truths that you've been taught since long as you can remember. Let me say this. If, if you come into contact with holy things and that does not convert or that does not change your heart in some way, it, it really has a danger of making you cynical, making you jaded, making you look at the things of God as kind of like, eh, and you become indifferent or flippant about those things, about the story, the nativity, about Christ coming to earth, about singing Christmas carols to the Lord. We need to ask God to open our hearts as we look at this gift this morning. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting, have eternal life. Just three things quickly that I want to share with you concerning the gift, his indescribable gift that God has given to us. First of all, the gift is Jesus Christ himself. The gift is Jesus Christ himself. The gift of God offers us to know Christ in a personal way, to know him as a friend, to have fellowship with him, to have a relationship with him. The gift of God offers us to be known and loved by Christ, the Son of God. In John 15, 15, Jesus said this, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Do you ever think about that? That Jesus Christ calls us his friends? Or in John 17, 3, John writes this, And this is eternal life, that you may know him the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. question I asked you this morning, have you received this gift, the gift of Jesus Christ? Do you have that kind of relationship with him? Do you know him as your friend? Is he someone you can confide in, someone you can talk to, someone you can discuss things with? Do you feel his presence in your life like you would a close friend? Or do you feel like almost if he showed up at your doorstep, you'd be like the illustration I used a couple Sundays ago, you're trying to clean everything up <laughs> before you'd even let him in your house. See, you can have that kind of relationship with Christ. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is go to him and say, God, you know what? I need your mercy. I need your grace. I'm just a sinner. I I need to be saved. I need to know you in a personal way. He'll hear that prayer. You come to him. You call on him. You confess your sins. You ask for forgiveness. And you ask him into your heart. If you mean it from your heart, if you're truly desirous of knowing him today, that can take place. 1 John 1, 3, the Bible says this which we have seen and heard and we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Sometimes we miss the fact that a relationship with Christ is really a relationship built on fellowship. And so many times people who come to Christ, it's almost like they don't come to Christ initially because they think, oh, there's just a bunch of do's and don'ts. That's all it is. I'd have to stop doing all this stuff. I mean, I'd rather be home watching a game or reading a Sunday paper than come to church, you know, as crazy Christians. I mean, you know, somehow God has a way of coming in and changing that attitude because it's not a lot of rules. It's not a lot of do's and don'ts. That's not what the Christian faith is about. Does it require obedience? Definitely. But it comes out of a willing heart. You need to remember that he is the gift. Secondly, the gift has great value. The gift has great value. I mean, there's nothing more desirable than knowing Christ. There really isn't. I mean, I don't know how as Christians we could just 
count that as some ho-hum, oh yeah, yeah, I know Christ. I mean, once our eyes have been opened, once they've looked in the manger, I mean, can you imagine, you know, you see the Son of God and then you see someone that calls yourself his friend, someone who's died and forgiven your sins. You know, when most people look at the nativity scene, they see a baby. That's what they see, a plastic baby or a ceramic baby. When I look at the nativity scene, I see the Savior of the world. I see my personal friend. I see a Savior. I see the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But unbelievers don't see anything special at all because there's no connection. They don't have the eyes of faith. All they can see is another kind of replica of some little kid. And so they pass by the child in the manger. Instead, they seek after the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh (laughs) sitting by his side because they're more interested in the gifts than they are the one who is the true gift. It seems like they don't want the baby, but they want all the presents that go along with it. I mean, which do you value more, the toys and the trinkets of this life that eventually the Bible says is going to crumble, it's going to fade, it's going to turn into dust, or a relationship with Jesus Christ that the Bible says is going to last forever? In Matthew 13, verse 44 to 46, Jesus says this, And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. See, the Bible says that knowing Christ is worth more than anything else in the world. Knowing Christ is worth more than everything else in the world. We'll never be disappointed by him. He's that treasure. He's that pearl of great price. He's God's gift to us. He's that child in the manger, worth more than anything that we could ever possess. Do you know him? Are you seeking him? Can you say, like Paul, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift? And that's the third thing. The gift must be received. The gift must be received. It's available to everyone, but God doesn't force it on them. It's kind of like if you were trying to give a gift to somebody and they said, no, no, I don't want your gift. I mean, you've got to make a choice. I mean, how are you going to force them to take your gift? Couldn't really do that. I mean, you may try to wear them down over a period of time, you know, and you may say, okay, I'll take the gift. (laughs) But see, God's not like that. This gift is available to all. In John 1.12 it says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. See, not all who heard about him or agreed with his teachings, not all who uh, you know, attends church, not all who tried to follow this golden rule. It doesn't say that. It says, but all who received him. I grew up in a religion that believed that God's love had to be earned. That somehow the more you did... In your spiritual life, the more God loved you, the more God liked you, the more good deeds you could do, the better person you would be. Let me ask you this. If I said, hey, I bought you a great Christmas gift, and I gave it to you, say it's a new iPod or something you really wanted, you opened it up, man, this is great. Yeah, and and here's the uh, receipt. You know, if you could pay me before the first of the year, I'd appreciate it. (laughs) You'd be like, whoa, wait, wait a minute, what? You just gave me a gift, and now you want me to pay you for it? See, a gift we have to pay for is no gift at all. Can you imagine trying to have your kids pay for their Christmas gifts? <laughs> can you, I mean, okay, now that you've got all this nice stuff, here's your chore list, and you can earn them off the rest of the year. That wouldn't be a gift. Or maybe you opened up a gift years ago, thought it was really cool, but lately it's just sitting on a shelf somewhere. We all got gifts like that, right? Collecting dust. Maybe you've been too busy or too distracted to use the gift, but it just sits there. You've accepted it, but it's just kind of not doing anything in your life. Maybe the gift is still under the tree and you haven't even opened it yet. Don't leave Christ on the shelf. Don't leave Christ under the tree. 
turn to him this morning and just ask him. Say, God, you know what? If you don't know him this morning, God, I want to know you this morning. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Help me to know you in a personal way, God. Maybe most of us here do know him in a personal way, but maybe somehow that relationship has grown jaded or cold over the years. And maybe it's a good time before you get in the hustle bustle of everything that goes on at the Christmas season to stop and just to say, hey, you know what? I just want to re-kind of commit my priorities to you, Lord. You know, usually you do that around the first of the year, but why not do it, you know, before the Christmas season even really gets kicked off so that maybe this is the first Christmas you can go through with without all this craziness creeping in so much that, that Christ is lost. Maybe he can continue to be the center point in your life. God's indescribable gift. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ and all that that means to us as believers. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who is yet to put their faith, their trust in you, God, I ask that somehow you would work in their heart through the words that were spoken. Lord, that you would show them your love for them, your willingness to forgive them of their sin. And Lord, what a better time than to cry out to God and to ask him for forgiveness. And Father, maybe for us that know him, we need to just recommit ourselves to you. Maybe the coals have grown cold. Maybe there is more perspiration than there is inspiration. Maybe there's more work than there is worship. Maybe the joy of sharing Christ with someone who has yet to hear the good news of the gospel doesn't do anything for us anymore. Lord, I pray that we would remember from where we've come, that we would repent as believers, that we would turn to you afresh. And Lord, that we would repeat the things that we remember doing as new believers, how excited we were to have fellowship with other Christians and study your word and pray and sing praises and songs and hymns to you. Lord, I pray that this morning would be that time of recommitment to you. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And amen. Well, friend, you have been listening to our teacher and pastor, Stephen Converse, as he has spent time here taking a look at the incredible gift during this Christmas season, understanding God's amazing love for us and the extent of that love in this amazing gift. Well, Pastor Steve has a few more thoughts. He'll close out the broadcast here again in just a moment. In the meantime, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we would love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. In fact, if you're not currently involved in a church, would you consider this an official invitation to join us? And when you do, let one of the ushers know that you are invited by the radio broadcast. That would encourage us a great deal. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up through to grade 5. If you would like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, you can call us at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. By the way, if you're looking for information or directions, if you're planning on joining us for a Sunday service, directions can be found at our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call us at 650-366-9923. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid, Redwood City, California. The zip code is 94061. 
As we come to the end of a year, looking forward to the new year, please remember that, in part, we're able to present to you these weekly broadcasts as you financially partner with us. It is a listener-supported ministry that we present to you each week here on this station. And we look forward to partnering with you, not only financially, but prayerfully as well. So would you please consider that as you contact us here at Graceful Truth? That phone number again is 650-366-9923, 650-366-9923. Well, next week here on the broadcast, we'll have a special Christmas Day edition of the program. We hope you'll join us then. In the meantime, to conclude our time together here once again, our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, with a few thoughts in closing. Steve? Thanks, Andy. Well, folks, we only have five more shopping days until we celebrate the birth of God's incredible gift to us in the form of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Someone has said that Jesus Christ came from the bosom of the Father to the bosom of a woman. He put on humanity that we might put on divinity. He became Son of Man that we might become sons of God. He was born contrary to the laws of nature. He lived a life of poverty. He was reared in obscurity. And only once had he crossed the boundary of the land in which he was born, and that in his childhood. He had no wealth or influence and had neither training nor education in the world's schools. His relatives were Well, inconspicuous and uninfluential. In infancy, he startled a king. In boyhood, he puzzled the learned doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature. You see, he walked upon the billows and he hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his services. He never wrote a book. And yet all the libraries of the world could not hold the books about him. He never wrote a song, yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all the songwriters combined together. He never founded a college, yet all the schools together cannot boast of having as many students as he has. He never practiced medicine, and yet he has healed more broken hearts than all the doctors have healed broken bodies. This Jesus Christ is the star of astronomy. He's the rock of geology. He's the lion and the lamb of zoology. He's the harmonizer of all discords and disagreements, and he's the healer of all diseases. You see, throughout history, great men have come and gone, yet he lives on. Herod could not kill him, Satan could not seduce him. Death could not destroy him, and, beloved, the grave could not hold him. Beloved, it is this Jesus, born of a virgin in a lonely manger, in the cool of the night in the prophesied town of Bethlehem. It is this Jesus whom we worship. It is this Jesus who provides a way of salvation for mankind. It is this Jesus who longs for you to know him in a personal way. He desires for you to turn from your sins and to turn to his unmatched love and grace and mercy. If you have yet to experience God's incredible gift, 
the gift of his only son to us. Won't you cry out to him right now? Tell him the burdens that you've been carrying. Tell him the sins that hold you captive. Tell him your desire to follow him as Lord and Savior. A simple prayer from the the Bible is, is all that is needed. Be merciful to me, O God, a sinner. He'll hear that prayer when it comes from a sincere and humble heart. This Christmas, beloved, could be the best Christmas you have ever experienced because it could be the first Christmas you not only receive the incredible gift that God is offering you in the form of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is through Christ that we gain access to the Father, the gift giver. Well, we trust that you have enjoyed our Christmas series this year on Graceful Truth. We would like to thank you for tuning in each week to the Graceful Truth program, and please know that it's our desire to reveal the grace of God through the weekly teaching of His Word to your hearts. It's our prayer that you and your family will have a safe, merry, Christ-centered Christmas celebration this year. And by the way, have a blessed New Year as well. If this program has been a blessing to you this past year, we'd love to hear from you. Won't you write or call, email us, tell us how the Lord has blessed you through these teachings? We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, how God is using his word to edify and to encourage your hearts. Well, from all here at Graceful Truth, we want to just wish God's blessings upon you and your family and wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Thank you, Steve. And indeed, a very Merry Christmas to you this week. We'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.